So today I am with Kate Frame, who I met. Gosh, Kate, when did we meet? It must be... Um, I think we met in 1998. Is it 1998? <laughs> um, when I was certainly in, a, in another world, <laughs> working for Historic Royal Palaces, um, but have since moved on <laughs> quite significantly. And Kate used to come and support us very enthusiastically at travelling through Books. This is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today's guest is Kate Frame. Originally from Canada, Kate travelled widely because of her father's work. I met Kate when she came to London to head up the Conservation and Textile Department at Historical Palaces. And this is her unique story about London, the world, and life. You're an avid book reader. I am, Emma, yes. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I'm reading a book. Uh, I often read books about history. British history, mm-hmm. and I'm reading a book about uh, Monmouth, mm-hmm. Charles II's son, and his um, interesting and rather tragic life. And this is all connected to your world of conservation, and in fact, you should say the title because I've already forgotten. <laughs> what are you? Yes, it's connected to the world that I work in, which is the history world, in that I'm the head of conservation collection care at Historical Palaces. And that involves quite a wide a variety of, of interests from paintings to to materials to to paint samples to it is it or... does um, so my specialty is very much uh, material culture mm-hmm. and it's the analysis of materials that make up as you say paintings thrones and canopies in this in this case uh, crowns I work in the history profession and my part in it is a specialism called conservation. And for that, we understand how materials are made, how they deteriorate in response to anything from handling to light to humidity, etc., and ways to try to slow that down. Okay, so similar to the building surveying world, which I was a part of, which is but more to do with stonework and the sort of the nitty, the, the hardcore stuff like mortars and how to replace broken down mortars and preserved stones from being weathered, but yours is more, you're dealing more with the inside world, whereas we were dealing with more of the outside world. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is um, in, in total complementary parallel, yes. and um, my area is collections, mm-hmm. and also it includes decorative fabric, right. so wall and ceiling paintings, for example. Yes, and that's why um, you, co- well, it's quite, quite recent, maybe it was a few years ago now, that you ended up in Antwerp because you were going to the museum around Rubens. Yes, yes, it's a rather exciting world because we, in our organization, we care for one of the greatest survivals of Rubens' work, Mm -hmm. which is the ceiling painting at the Banqueting House. So we foray out to, you know, various cities around Europe to look at other Rubens' paintings, um, meet with Rubens' scholars, and just to find out more about how we can care for our Mm-hmm. Um, scheme. Mm-hmm. So it's another way to go about traveling the world really, isn't it? It's, it is, and it's, it's wonderful because it's very purposeful yes. and it immediately, immediately ties you to those places because you meet people who live in those places yes. and who are um, uh, you know, working internationally. So mm-hmm. you have an immediate connection yes. regardless yes. of nationality. Yes, yes. But before we go into that any further, I'm going to take you right back to the very beginning. So when, when I first met you, I think you just come over from from Canada. Yes. But why London? Why was it London that you you ended up in? Well, London is huge center for 
conservation um, with all the national museums, um, with our international organizations that represent our field. And um, often jobs are advertised internationally. One came through the fax machine, remember mm -hmm. that technology? Um, <laughs> a few um, years ago. Yes, <laughs> at that time, and it was a very similar job description to what I was doing in Toronto at that time. I had a connection to London because I went to university here mm -hmm. um, many, many years before, and I enthusiastically applied for this post at Historic Royal Palaces. Mm -hmm. And obviously you got it. And I got it. And yeah. you arrived in London. So, I mean, culturally, I mean, had you been to London before? I had been to London before because I had the opportunity to actually train in conservation in London. Right. Okay. So it wasn't your first visit. So in terms of coming into quite a, a unique role in, in the palaces, I mean, you're arriving in London at that stage. What were the kind of challenges you faced? Well, I had such an advantage having been a student in London. 12 years prior. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get around extremely well with great comfort. But similar to when I was a student, mm. you know, the challenges of coming to London have to do with finding a place, yes. making friends, yeah. getting around, um, all that pragmatic stuff that's so actually challenging in such a you know, cosmopolitan, expensive um, busy city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So th that was the kind of the first foray as to trying to make all those connections mm. uh, to then be able to enjoy London and uh, mm -hmm. get more from it. And, and this is how you ended up, you ended up in Shepherd's Bush area, I suppose, because it was an easy, easy route to, to work, was it? Quite then? the opposite. Oh, in, fact, okay. in fact, it was a nightmare route, right. you know, until they opened a train line very recently. So um, no, it was a bad decision in that. <laughs> but like, going to any city, you migrate to places where you know people, mm -hmm. and then those individuals help you find a place to live, yeah. and you sort of settle in what is the first connection, really, yeah. that um, one has with a place. Yes, yeah. And how long have you been here now? Have you well, I think, it, years, I, I hate to count, but I think, I think it's been 21. 21 yeah. years, okay. And would you consider yourself a Londoner now? I do, yeah. I do been here for, yes. for long enough to really feel very settled here. Very settled. And also the transition from Canada to London, mm. from one large city in Canada to a large city in London, was fairly easy. Mm. You've been here for 20 years yeah. now, so you're feeling quite settled. But the transition was perhaps easier because of a familiarity between the metropolis of Toronto and the metropolis, which is which is London, yeah. would yeah. you say? But the ease of the transition is coming mm. from a country that was founded by the British right. and French yes. to living in Britain. Yeah. So the um, cultural connections are strong and... Um, less foreign than perhaps if I came from uh, Mexico to London or yeah. Louisiana to London. Mm -hmm. Okay. So having been here for a while, are you happy to stay here? I mean, I know this is a, an, an extraordinary time with the lockdown and coronavirus and everybody's been working from home. And, but do you feel that London is home? I feel that London is home in that when I do travel out of London, mm -hmm. visit Toronto, for example, um, I think of myself as going home then when I return to London. Interesting. And there was a kind of a transition point. It took a long time, but I'd say after about eight years, mm -hmm. I started seeing London as my home base, 
and Toronto is a place that I visited. But I find that I can't see how one can become 100% at home in one location mm -hmm. when they've come from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll come on to that. <laughs> okay, so let's just do a quick round of questions for you. So um, just to break it up a little, so that was round one. What is your favorite form of London transport? Bus, tube, the boat, something else? I love the buses. Do you? Okay. I'm a real bus fan. Mm -hmm. um, I think the double-decker is fantastic for touring. <laughs> yes. And um, during the weekends, when time is more relaxed, if you will, I tend to take buses everywhere because it's like being a tourist. And, yeah, you know. yeah. Do you have a favorite bus route? Um, I do like the route between Waterloo mm -hmm. and um, Shepherd's Bush. Okay. So it goes all the way through Westminster, you know, up through um, Kensington, Notting Hill, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's a favourite place that you like to go on a sunny summer's day? London Park, the Thames, somewhere else? I'm quite a fan of weekend lunches mm -hmm. in pubs yes. and walks. Okay. One of my favourite places to go to is Hampstead Heath, mm -hmm. uh, along with a pub lunch with friends. Are you one that just likes to discover new pub? Uh, is it more about the food than the actual one specific pub? It's more about the food and discovering pubs yeah. than one, one specific pub. But for the first five or eight years I was here, we went every Saturday to the same pub, right. the Havelock Tavern, which is nearby in, in yeah. Shepherd's Bush. And so I have a particular fondness, yes. a good memory, if you will, yeah, yeah. of that local. Do you have a favorite London expression or phrase or something kind of that bemused you when you first oh came to London? Um, mind the gap is one people commonly <laughs> talk about because it's it's such a complex concept. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I don't have English as first language. What does mind mean? You know, so. Yes. Okay, we'll go with mind the gap then. Cause that's <laughs> I, I, I do love the way people say, oh, it's a rubbish, rubbish. Because rubbish is a very English word. Yeah. We use garbage and we use trash and things like that. Yeah. But um, rubbish, you know, I took singing lessons, but, you know, I was just obviously rubbish. <laughs> it's kind of a positive negative. Yes. So um, that was, I always thought that was rather cute. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Um, do you prefer street food or pub grub? I think pub grub because I like sitting down. Okay. And just having, with friends and yes. that whole grub. Yes. Far more relaxed and it's about the whole experience rather than enjoying a lovely yeah. piece of street food. Um, okay, we'll move on to our second round. So where was home originally? Now, I know this is quite a complex question for you because <laughs> you were actually, you were born in Canada, but yes. then you, you moved quite soon. Yes, I moved around a lot until I was um, a middle-aged adult, actually. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because I grew up in a family which had their work in mining. Mm -hmm. And it's quite common for military, mining, and diplomatic children to be moved around the world mm -hmm. for different developments. So my father became a specialist in developing new mines, mm -hmm. which then took us to different places every few years. Mm -hmm. We first moved around in Canada, right. which was sort of exciting because we went to those far north locations before townships were built. Mm -hmm. And the towns would be built, the mine would be built, we would stay there for a few years. So we lived up near Churchill for mm -hmm. some time, and I remember it well because I was six, mm. you know, at school. And I remember the northern lights, I remember the tundra, um, the lack of trees, the incredibly cold landscape, mm. and it had a beauty of its own. But from there, we moved to Sydney, Australia, Jakarta, Singapore, Dublin, France, Canada, London, Canada, London. 
Wow, so that was a lot of moving around as a, as a child as well. And, and you're, you're one of, is it seven children? We have seven children in our family, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's, that's a lot of you to move around as yes. well. So. But it, was, but it was, was sort of helpful in a way because mm. you always had a group of friends. Yes. Until what we used to always say, until we found our real friends. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of camaraderie, and it eased the actual um, going to new schools, going to new locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I ask the question of where was home originally, do you, do you still consider home as Canada? Yes, and it's complicated because you have to be something. You can consider yourself an international citizen, but you, fundamentally, in your heart, you have to be something. You have to have some sort of identity. To connect or to yes. hang on to. Yes, yeah. yeah. So my parents are Canadian. My siblings still live there. I've spent considerable amount of time in Canada. I have a Canadian accent, mm-hmm. um, and I need a national identity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can't be anything but Canadian. Mm-hmm. I can't adopt a new nationality. And that actually gives you the freedom and perhaps a more of a relaxed attitude to go other places because you have a sense of where you're from, even though you moved around so much. When you move around a lot, it um, is highly viable to continue to do that, mm. you know, because you can find work, you can find people mm. of your you know, similar sensibilities, etc. So there's no um, risk, if you will, in terms of you know, becoming part of another place. Mm. But to actually call that your home, you know, there's just different definitions of home. Yes. You know, I think London's my home, but my family and my heart is, is you know, home. my identity is Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a desire to go back there to live? I'm so torn. <laughs> and I think, you know, it happens because London is London. Yes. You know, it is such a wonderful world of excellence. Free culture, our galleries, theatre, the beautiful parks, the lovely architecture. It is very, very difficult mm. to give up. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just London is London. Mm-hmm. So I'm very torn, very mm. torn. And I'm just at the age now of kind of trying to decide where will home be for the next 15, 20, 30 years. So I'm sort of sitting on the fence and I'm hoping I can get both, have both yeah. worlds. Which some people do, you know, yeah. they spend yeah. half of their year in one place and half somewhere exactly. else. Exactly, yeah. That's, uh, I suppose that's done. Financially that can be quite challenging. Um, it could be challenging, but you have relatives, you can live more modestly, then mm-hmm. it's not a, a vacation per se, it's a you know, it's part of life. So it, it, it probably could be manageable for a yeah. while. Anyway. Yeah, it would become a kind of <clears throat> lifestyle choice, I suppose. A lifestyle choice, yes. Where there's a will, there's a way, I always yes, say. Yes, <laughs> yes. And also that gets around the complicated part of the severe winters in Canada. Mm-hmm. So one could organize the months to to the spring or autumn period. And, and in Canada, because your, your family are spread across Canada too, where are you magnetically drawn to? Is it Toronto? It is, because I lived there for 12 years, and because I have still many friends mm-hmm. from my university days and also from school days, as right. it happens, yeah. who live there, and the majority of my family lives in that area as well. Okay. So I'm, I'm most drawn with that. And also I love cities, mm-hmm. and Toronto is you know the biggest city in, in, in Canada. Right. Okay. It's not a place I've been to for a while, but uh, I know it's changed quite dramatically in yes. the last. It was one of the first places I, I stopped off in my world trip when I was in my early oh, yes. 20s. Yes, so yes. I have a special, it has a special place in my heart. Too, yes. So. Well, in the last 20 years since I've been here, it's changed significantly. It's a whole different city for me. Is it? Yeah. yeah so it'd be almost like re, re-exploring Definitely. Your, your, yeah. that city. Yeah. So 
out of all the places that you've been to, I mean, obviously, I imagine you probably have fond memories of each place. But is there one, is there a number of memories that particularly stand out for you growing up in places across the world? Such a hard question because each one of them has been fantastic. You know, mm. it's fantastic and unique in its own way. I think perhaps the most um, exciting place I lived was Singapore simply because it was a whole different world. Prior to that and after that, I've lived in the Western world, if you will, yes. um, mainly sort of British legacy countries, and Singapore was, was quite different. It was an um, uh, international school. We had 56 different nationalities. Singapore was just at the cusp of becoming what it is today. Right. So there was still a lot of the legacy from junks and um, rickshaws and... Wow. street food Things and market food. Just don't see today, do Yeah, you? so as a teenager, it was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the food, I mean, is there anything that really stands out for you in terms of the food in Singapore? Well, I guess that's when I discovered that there's more than meat and potatoes. And um, <laughs> what was... Sounds very Irish. Yeah. <laughs> I love meat and potatoes. Um, because it was so international, a port city, just the variety mm -hmm. was amazing. And the actual um, uh, making of the food was fascinating to me because people would rock up with their single burner and uh, pot and some oil, and they would create these amazing non-breads and exotic um, um, Malay curries mm -hmm. with um, very little, you know, mm -hmm. and I just had not experienced that, mm -hmm. that ability to produce high, high-quality, very exotic food. So efficiently. Really. And did you did you learn to cook any of those foods when you were out there or were you just too young at that stage? I was just too young and also I was in boarding school. Right. So, okay. you know, we had no no I wasn't no living at home. Yeah, yeah, so we had no kitchens and no in no. that. Okay. Have you been back there since? I just haven't. Okay. And but I do look at it, you know, I have a look at it periodically on the internet and I do know people who have lived there mm -hmm. recently and I do not recognize it physically. Yeah. It is such a different city. And does that make you don't want to go back because you have such a good memory of how it was? I was think that so. In, was that in the 80s, 70s? No, it was around 76, 77, 78. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it, I find going back very difficult, mm -hmm. you know, because I have such a strong memory of places and yeah. um, I'm too disconnected yeah. as a tourist yeah. to not get nostalgic and yeah. feel a little kind of sad about it. Yeah. yeah. From the places that you have visited, or maybe it's Canada, they will come out with on top with this one, but where would you suggest that I should visit that's a, perhaps a bit off the beaten track but is part of what you consider as, as home? I always recommend Canada. And I think one thing about Canada that is so amazing is the, the majesty of its nature, mm -hmm. just the expanse of the unpopulated areas, the variety of everything from fjords to glacial shields to wide open prairies to rocky mountains, etc., is truly, truly magnificent. It's awesome. Mm. And what I would always recommend to people if they have two weeks or three weeks to literally drive across Canada, mm -hmm. um, to go from Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is on the East Coast, all the way across um, to Vancouver, which is on the West Coast. And interestingly, I was speaking to my nephew recently mm. and thinking that I would like to do that again. I've done it once. Have you? Okay. Um, but I would like to do it again with my siblings and that. How long did it take him to get from the West Coast to Toronto, which is two-thirds across the country? And he said, oh, we did it 24 hours a day, um, took shifts and got there in 
three days. <laughs> My and goodness. I thought, oh, God. You know, you because, saw nothing. <laughs> I know, because it's, it's such a huge country, and the vastness of it is part of its, its majesty, if you will. Yeah. And um, it certainly looks pristine. There are, like everywhere, climate problem changes and everything, but it, it still has that untouched look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very different from Britain, where everything looks like it's been groomed and walked on and enjoyed. It just looks untouched. Right. Uh, have you been up to the north, up yes. to Alaska? And, yes. You know, okay. yes. So, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, then I better get there. So <laughs> I have done a trip mm. across Canada, but that was a year ago, a years yeah. ago, uh, when I was in my early twenties. Yes. Perhaps wouldn't have appreciated it as much as perhaps I now. Yes. Although I did a wonderful camping trip right on the Manitoba, Ontario. Border, oh yes, which of course. The Ontario trail yes and that was that's a very interesting that area was fantastic and yeah. very wild and we had to put our food in the in the trees yeah case yeah. of bears and exactly swam in yeah. this lake and i got chased by a snapping turtle and yes <laughs> yes which i still actually i should look it up because i actually have no idea of how big the snapping turtles i think they're quite small but when i was in the water and everybody was shouting at me <laughs> Swim, swim. I had was the visions of this massive turtle like yeah. powering down on me. So. Yeah. And the mosquitoes. Oh my goodness. I got bitten alive. The, the mosquitoes, um, depending on where you are, could be her- horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anything. The midges in Scotland are pretty yeah. hideous yeah. too, yeah. certain times of the year. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, we'll do another quick round of questions, mm. if we may. Um, are you a cinema or a theatre goer? Oh gosh, I'm both. You're both? Okay. Yeah, both. And do you have um, a favourite cinema or theatre that you like to visit? Well, I, again, like local things. I do like historic mm-hmm. things. Um, anything that's been around for a time and has a kind of a uh, community around it. So my favourite cinema is Notting Hill Gate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is just up the street from where yes. I live. And I think, yes, we have been to a few films have, together. Yes, there. yes. And it is and a lovely cinema. Lovely cinema and well-curated films, um, yeah. you know. And for theatre, do you have a favourite or is it very much where the depending on the theatre production? It really depends on the theatre production. Um, when I first came, I went to the Donmar oh, yes. quite often, yeah. tried to get in the Saturday matinees, and that was always always quite successful. I always had one spare ticket. So I was quite taken with that, and mm. their their plays are, are very good. But otherwise, it, it really just depends on the play. Yes, and certainly theatre, going by yourself to theatre is very doable, and in fact, you can be more flexible in terms of getting good deals if, if Absolutely, you're just going yeah. by yourself yeah. as well. And it's rather exciting going to a Saturday matinee, I find. You um, exit and it's still a whole evening ahead of you. Yes. yes. And you're in the West End. So. <laughs> yes, the, the evening life is there. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you a dinner out or nightlife to dawn girl? <laughs> Lady, um, I should say. <laughs> well, I used to be um, a night, night out to dawn, mm-hmm. but that's... Uh, long gone, mm. and for me, it's um, dinners out. Yeah. Mm. Where did you go for your night at when you went nights to dawn? Was it in Soho? And I have to say, it was so long ago <laughs> that um, it's not very interesting. Um, and it was a particular period where punk ruled, yeah. and we literally would comb time out every week mm. and go to all the free venues mm. that had punk music. Wow. And they were basements, they were all over the place. And yeah. Smelly, uh, beer smells, cigarette smoke everywhere, kind of places. Something that you don't have in London anymore. I mean, I think I came in at yeah. the end of that because I remember the, the smoke-filled oh, kind of like yes. basements and you'd come home and literally your clothes would walk to, into the washing machine by themselves. Yes, so yeah. And smoking. it's funny because I, it I never really 
clocked all of that. But all of us, you know, in London, when you took the tube or bus, etc., must have been walking around with a slight um, tinge of smoke and tobacco. Yeah, mm. well, probably more than a tinge, depending <laughs> where you went, depending where you'd been. <laughs> and dinner out. Do you have a favourite place that you like, or are you just happy to? Try new places. Is it is it more about the food than actually the place? Well, it's it's more about the atmosphere of the place. Okay. In the sense that I do like to go to places where you could hear mm -hmm. um, your dinner companion mm. and have a conversation and uh, quite a relaxed time. Mm -hmm. So um, local places, smaller places, are quite interesting to me. There's several up in Notting Hill. Right. That okay. um that are family run and. Mm. So it's just worth having an explore and see what you can yes, find. Yeah. Favourite place to go walking or cycling in and around London? Now, I know you just showed me your bicycle that you've just pumped, <laughs> pumped up the back wheel when you thought you had a flat tire, like I have on mine. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, it's London, it, it's, a, it's a strange place for cycling. Sometimes it can be really fun, mm. and other times it can be downright dangerous. <laughs> downright yes. dangerous, yes. a bit scary. Yes. But they've now closed Hammersmith Bridge because I came to you along yes. the river and across Hammersmith Bridge. Yes. And that was just really lovely to yes. do. But walking too is good. So do it you is, have your, yes. Do you have your favourite? I mean, you mentioned Hampstead Heath earlier, but are there other places well, around Shepherd's Bush area? Or well, walking seems to have taken over cycling, mm -hmm. but I keep meaning to get back to cycling. And I used to cycle most weekends to the Royal Academy. So I would go um, uh, you know, down through Kensington, Across south part of High Park, mm -hmm. um, through uh, down to Piccadilly, yeah, um, and that was long enough to have a good run at it, mm -hmm. and also um, scenic enough mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to to really enjoy. Yeah. And you know, coming back one would meander through you know Belgravia and and that. So it was, you know, and that's half the thing when you're on a bicycle. You can just explore the streets yeah. really quickly. As Very, well, just yeah. Get get a little lost but you're not not too lost yes you're always find your way back yes I think as long as you know where north is you're you're, you're okay <laughs> it's a Canadian thing it is for I, I remember you saying that yeah you can always tell where north is and you always know where the river is whereas I have no concept of yes. this and it always surprises me how people know where where north is yes yes because I just can't conceive of how you can find locations unless you know the compass points and I'm sure I think that's Canadian because everything is north in Canada right and so we tend to speak in those terms okay you know because populations along the southern border mm, that's right <laughs> that explains <laughs> something I've always wanted to ask you yeah. <laughs> okay we're on to our third round of questions mm. here and um, if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be so it's such a hard thing to answer because I think um, I would be there now mm -hmm. if I had a favorite location. Okay. But I, I've enjoyed tremendously every place that I've lived. And in that moment, and um, so, you know, my favorite place at the moment is, or for a long time, has been London. Mm -hmm. um, so you're here. You're already at I'm here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that's good. So, I mean, actually, it's a very good answer. But <laughs> <laughs> it means you can always be settled and, and get the most out of a place. If that's, yes. That's yes, I think it's been, it's been very fortunate, I think. You know, it's luxurious to be able to live in the place that you really like. I've never had to move and work in places that I find of lesser interest. Mm. So I've just been very, very fortunate, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have um, 
I mean, you've travelled a lot in your in your past as a child, where that was your parents taking you to. Mm-hmm. But do you have a wanderlust, or are you very much an armchair traveller? I'm an armchair traveller. Okay, so you you travel the world through books. I travel the world through books, and otherwise the travel I do is very purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something very specific I went to see in Berlin, mm-hmm. to go to Berlin for three days. Or, you know, as you mentioned earlier, to go and see Rubens' exhibition or Rubens' um, collections in the northern European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a travel for travel's sake, yes. to places simply because I've not been, been mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So you're there, you are influenced by your interest, basically, yes. and that's what takes you to Yes. And have you got somewhere in mind that you'd like to go in the foreseeable future? I know it's quite difficult at the moment, but mm. do you have some places in mind that you'd like to visit? Yes, I do. Um, one of the ways I do like to travel is by walking, um, long distance walking mm-hmm. as a way to you know experience a particular environment. And I'm quite keen to um, walk along the Rhine. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think it's because the um, there are so many medieval towns, yes. villages along the way, and the scenery in terms of the vineyards and the you know, valleys and mountains area mm. just strikes me as being potentially quite quite beautiful mm-hmm. so that's my current interest and yes. um where you know, would be a, where would be a starting point for that then i'm not sure i haven't really looked into it okay that's it because i i don't know i mean for the rhine mm. i know there's like uh, certain cycling trails but i wonder if there's actually a walking trail i believe there is okay. i've only heard about it and somebody has described it as you know, you start with the vineyards yeah. so i don't quite know where that starts but um yes. i'm sure they're very easy to find out well, well let me know when you do <laughs> yeah thank you yeah so I, i'm sure it's really quite lovely yes yes yeah. so moving on from that so what place um has had the biggest impact on you or the places that you visited around the world and um and why? Well, I, I can't say there's been a place that I've visited that has had a huge impact, but there's certainly been places that I've lived that have had huge impact. Mm. And it um, simply, you know, simply has to be Canada mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, because that's my identity. Yeah. So no matter how long I'm away, how far I'm away, it's, I'm still fundamentally Canadian. Right. And I think that I've probably lived out of Canada far longer yeah. than I lived there. Right. So, you know, not only is it strange I have a Canadian accent, but um, it's strange that it has such a strong tie. Mm. But I think it's just identity. It's yeah. it's it's because I can't say I'm British. I can't say I'm Irish, mm-hmm. Singaporean. Um, so I Australian. Australian. <laughs> so, you know, Yes, so it's, it's got to be that. When we were talking a little earlier as well, you mm. were mentioning how each place you went to, how you absorbed a little mm-hmm. bit of their culture, which yes. actually helped you in your development from child from, from a child into adulthood. Yes. And particularly with Ireland. Ireland. Yes. It was to do with the social side. with the, the Very much so, yeah. And I found that quite fascinating. Yes. And that was that just... From, from listening to people, or was it the engagement that you had with people there? Well, when I was in Ireland, I was there at a you know a certain age where one could go out and about a lot. Mm-hmm. So I did my A-levels in Ireland, and then I stayed one extra year and worked there. And so one um, could go to pubs, and pubs were lively, and I would do my homework in pubs. I would, <laughs> you know, meet friends, etc. So it, it, 
it was a wonderful, wonderful kind of atmosphere, very, very social. Um, and then, of course, I had many friends having gone to school there. And what I found so wonderful about um, experiencing that is the conviviality of uh, conversation, mm. the um, lightheartedness of taking the mickey out yeah. of other people and loving them at the same time, the um, mixture of ages that brought together. Yeah. Because, you know, I, you know, certainly in North America, it's highly segmented. You know, if you're a teenager, you only hang out with teenagers. So that really surprised me. You would go to the pub, and there'd be all, everyone, from children to long lifers, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the um, uh, openness to mm. bringing people together. So uh, I remember at one point with an invitation list and saying, well, but, oh, that's so and so. And they say, oh, ah, yeah, okay, you can do that. They're awfully boring, but, you know, why not? <laughs> and so inclusiveness of everybody. So no matter, got left out. No, there so. wasn't sort of a trendy people or at that time anyway. So that kind of enjoyment of people yeah. and the rich conversation, yeah. you know, the wonderful expressive way they used language was, was very impressive on me as, kind, as, um, as a way to really enjoy life. Mm. You, know, you didn't need a lot, you just needed good companionship. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I yeah. thought that was really brilliant. Really. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's the thing about, I mean, that's just one really good example mm. of traveling and being in a place long enough to actually absorb yes. these experiences that help to shape you, even, and it, it never stops happening, I don't think, throughout your Never, life. yeah. And I think that's one of the wonders of, of, yes. of movement and it going is, to, yeah. to places, even yeah. if you know that home is, is eventually one place. Yes, uh, yeah. In between the, that point, yeah. that these yeah. places provide um, an education in a way as well. It does, but it spoils you for other things in a way, mm. because it, um, it makes you want to really become involved in the place you yeah. go to. And for me, it makes other travel that I do. Um, I'm very um, conservative in how much time I spend in those places, etc., because I know I won't um, be able to get as involved. Mm. And so I find it a little. Um, do you almost you, you become a bit reticent to get too too involved because you know you're protecting yourself? Almost, no, there's no? just not less opportunity to be involved simply right. because you don't live there. Oh, of course, yes. And yes. Um, and so I just I find I find there's. It's double-sided the same coin. That's very exciting. Yeah. And at the same time, it's a little depressing because you know you're just a tourist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm quite conservative then about yeah. exactly what travel I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're actually... Our last question. <laughs> <laughs> we whistled through this game. Hmm. Um, what would be a piece of advice or one piece of advice that you would give someone moving to London for the first time based on your own experiences? Well, sort of two parts to that question. One is London. The other part is moving to a new city. Yeah. And um, I think it would be take advantage of whoever you know there. Mm -hmm. Because when you move to a new city, you have to settle yourself in. You yeah. need a place to stay. You need more information about the city. You need some friendship and to help yeah. you settle in. Yeah. Um, and people are very generous, and they will help you settle in London, and then you can just you know go from there yes. and explore. Yes, creates kind of a platform, yes. or a springboard almost. Yes, yeah. and so when I came back to London, I knew no one, mm. and a friend of mine in Toronto knew somebody in London. Yes, yes. Who rented out parts of her house? Right. She put me in touch with her. I met Ali, mm -hmm. and then I met Ali's partner. 
-hmm. I met their friends. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful entree yeah. into London. And then I just went from there and we're friends, where we've been friends ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, otherwise, it's a pretty, pretty uh, demanding, mm. a bit demanding place mm -hmm. to come to. Yes. It's, I mean, as uh, uh, many of my uh, previous podcast guests have said also, it's, it's quite a lonely place. It can and be it's very lonely. Very hard to initially find your kind of community but it's it's all about um, going for things go, looking for people like-minded people mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. joining clubs and yes. the rest of it. but but equally as you say it, to tap into uh, that uh, that other world where where friends of friends may be here and they can introduce you because that yes. gives you a, a bit of a footing at the start doesn't it, it does otherwise you, it does it's, it is, can be quite unsettling it is very hard to find a place to stay, mm -hmm. so you need that help. Yes, I think. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Kate, we've come to the end of all our, all our questions <laughs> there, but I was just wondering is there anything else that you'd like to add based on the London pool and what London has a real energy, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's about being connected and what pull, what draws you in when you leave, what pulls you back? Mm -hmm. Do, what pulls you back to London? each time that you leave. What surprised me about London when I first moved here as a young adult, so I didn't have a lot of experience of mm. or background information about anything, is just how cosmopolitan it is. Mm. And and the, that's the pull. Like the pull is that it's just made up of people from all over the place mm. who come and just, you know, really make a go of it because yeah. London is has such great opportunities. And the pull is like, like the huge number of people milling about, doing all sorts of things, and having, as I mentioned before, access to, you know, cultural institutions, etc., mm. etc. Et so pause points and um, mm -hmm. and mm. places you could congregate. Yeah, it's it's in, it's if you're if you like crowds, if you like um, activities, mm -hmm. um, performance activities, it, it's just a huge pull. Mm -hmm. And each, I mean, London is made up of so many different communities mm -hmm. and, and uh, cultural pots, shall I say, yes. that you can dip into and uh, and find out more about through the food, the restaurants, and actually theatres in different areas, like little local yes. theatres. Too. Yes, yes. The more you explore, the more you realise how much more there is to see. There is, and, and almost every area is self-contained. Mm. So one could happily live, I mean, I could happily live in Hammersmith Shepherd's Bush and not foray out further mm -hmm, you know yeah. there's everything from theaters to pubs to cinemas to shopping malls to little restaurants yeah yeah <laughs> so um, okay well that's wonderful thank you so much for sparing you. your time <laughs> to be part of the traveling food podcast yes, yes. <laughs> and it's been nice for me to come and see a bit of shepherd's bush area <laughs> too and to all you traveling through podcast listeners out there, I hope it's been inspiring for you and you've got some takeaways from the show. I certainly have. Thank you, Kate. Um, of course, we'll put links to everything we've discussed where we can in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a rating and a review. We, we really rely on these to help spread the word. Please do subscribe. And finally, please share this podcast with your friends. Hopefully, if you've enjoyed it, they will be too. We'll be back next week with more Travelling Through Tales from London's melting pot of cultures. The London Pool. What makes you stay and what makes you leave? But for now, take care and thanks for listening.